Coke Zero, baby. Dude, you and New Mexico Drew will get along about a lot of different reasons. I feel like you guys are friends, even though you've exchanged like two messages. A hundred percent. He, I almost uh, bad Coke Zero in the house the other day and almost got kicked out. I was about to be banned. <laughs> it's a cult, dude. It's not. It, it's a lifestyle. It is. It's a religious experience, to be honest. Welcome to Living a Stream Podcast, where we talk about movies that are streaming on the many platforms out there. I'm Josh Perez, one of your hosts, and that is Eric Harrison. I am Eric Harrison. What's happening, man? <laughs> How you doing, man? Let's, um, good. Josh, we're all wondering. What do you mean? Um, every other week, you're usually sick on the episodes. And so this God. week, we want to know, is he or is he not? What There's a game that I was trying to reference, like a talk show host. No. Dude. So everybody knows I'm not drunk. I'm drinking Diet Coke. A Coke Zero. I was trying to think of a name of like this game show. Is he or is he not? But anyways, Josh, are you sick today? That is a loaded question. What? Yes or no? I want to say yes. Dude, okay. This is the problem. I'm like perpetually sick. I'm just always sick. Something happens. I had ramen yesterday and there may or may not. I said rice noodles, which made it feel like it wasn't really ramen. It was like a like a pho ramen hybrid, but it was very tasty. But also, I sent you a picture. I don't know what was in that thing. And I kind of gamble sometimes where I'm like, I'm going to order this. I'm going to say rice noodles and I'm going to assume it's gluten free. Anyways, I had a migraine. I thought it was Wait, are you trying to are you trying to blame your sickness on someone else, Josh? It's it's you. It's my body. No, I 100% agree. My autoimmune system is as good as a Walmart dumpster, dude. It is just it's just destroying my life. I can't function. Who knows what's in here? I don't even know if it's doing its job, dude, but I'm not blaming it on the the cook, the on, chef. On the chef. I'm saying that I'm blaming it on me, not I'm being a little lenient here. So I may have eaten gluten and it may be is the word exasperated. It might have enhanced yeah. my sickness because I had a migraine. I thought I was dying. Shout out to Sarah Warland for teaching you new words, dude. Good job. <laughs> that was like, we did hang out in the past <laughs> couple of weeks. So that's probably... Here comes the cough. Here comes the Don't cough. Don't make me laugh. Oh my God. It's deep in here, dude. Okay, so last week, you guys may have uh, heard some technical difficulties. Um, I want you to know that we've assessed all of our equipment and it was not on our end. So check your headphones, check your wires. <laughs> um, new Mexico, Drew, check your your car, audio player. Um, and don't blame us. Josh works very hard to ensure that our equipment is top-notch. You know, I even, I do it, so, I send Eric a new cord every week and then he forgets that I send him new new equipment and then he blames somebody for <laughs> Yeah, I told Kelly, I was like, did you order this cord? We don't, we don't have this kind of phone. And she's like, no, I didn't order a cord. And I was like, weird. I, she, she, she does all the Amazon ordering. Like, I don't have it on my phone. I was like, well, do we actually, like, what is going on? I guess I'm confessing that it was our fault last week by admitting that you sent me a cord. Oh, I do so it every week though. So you just, just admitted kidding. it. <laughs> oh, shit. Just kidding. It should sound nice, sweet, <laughs> and smooth tonight. Um, oh, we had somebody last week ask me for your Venmo, Josh. What? No, they didn't. Stop it. You better... They did, and I sent it to them. You better deny it. No. That's so funny. What are people out there doing? They, thank you, though, for supporting the <laughs> show, whoever you are, supporting in this way of, of you know, succumbing to Eric's racketeering ways. Um, but no, it's crazy. This episode started super chaotic. Other than you almost being sick, how are you? What, what's been going on? Any full days? Um, actually, okay. I'm going to segue into still it's full day, full thing, but also I'll get into my life in a minute. But in regards to supporting the show, rate, liking, subscribing, giving us five-star ratings and reviews, we've seen some come through and they've honestly made my heart very happy. But this one in particular, we did get a written review, a rating, five stars, yes. and a review on Apple Podcasts. Shout out Halcon5280 or 5280 or 5280, however you say that one. Um, but Halcon5280 wrote, using the Jimmy V 1993 SB speech rubric, this show is a full listen. The conversations that Eric, Josh and Eric have are easy to follow in depth and have a familiarity that will inspire you to call up those old friends you had late night conversations with when you were younger. This is definitely worth the listen to anyone who's curious about 
what to watch next on whatever streaming service they might have or sharing. Dude, this literally was so kind. Like, I just thought it was using our, using the rubric that we took or borrowed or used from Uno Reverso card. Uno, Uno reversed us, dude. But no, honestly, though, that was really, that was, it was really cool because I feel like, honestly, part of our conversations, I know we go on tangents and go in all the different ways, but similarly, one of my favorite things about actually going to movie theaters with people is then talking about life in the movie and interweaving those stories in the parking lot outside. So the fact that someone was like, hey, these are like the conversations that we're having where it's inspiring someone to call up the old friend to have those late night conversations. Um, it just really hit home. And so I just appreciated that. So that made, that was a good day uh, when I discovered that we had this sweet reveal. Um, yeah, shout out Hawkeye5280. <laughs> Instead of sending five bucks, you sent us, uh, oh, I lost my train. I thought that I was, I was trying to get real clever. Anyways, thank you so much, Hawkeye3, 5280. How it con? Meant a lot. How con? H-A-L-C-O-N. Oh. Not Hawkeye. Jeremy <laughs> Renner is not out here just dropping us reviews. Oh, oh my God. Anyways, okay, so tell us. My life. Um, Yeah, dude, let's see. It's, life's just been crazy, dude. It's, it's, it's been been i mean other than being sick all the time uh which feels like which has been um devastating and not fun i did watch uh eric and i talked about earlier this was a cool so valentine's day was last week and or whenever that was yeah a week ago um i don't really do anything on valentine's day but this year they put ghost story a ghost story i'd never seen it came out in 2017 kcf like rooney mara this might sound depressing because the movie is kind of depressing. <laughs> it's about grief, loss, moving on. Someone dies and walks around as a ghost that looks like, yeah, a bed sheet with some holes for the eyes, right? And so um, they re-released it in theaters. And I was like, you know, I'm going to go watch it by myself with a bunch of other people, maybe who might be on a date, which might be an interesting <laughs> date to watch that on Valentine's Day, or they might be there by themselves. But I didn't expect to love this movie. Uh, and maybe it's because, you know, watching theaters, big screen, the, it more, more importantly, the music, the music was so, so good. Like the score, the original song, there's a song that Casey Affleck, his character C, um, or I think they just call, or at least in the credits, it just said C, uh, he wrote a song and he plays it for Rooney Mara, his wife, and they flashback it from after he died and they're anyways that whole song i think it's uh was it i've i've got overwhelmed i get overwhelmed i get overwhelmed, I get overwhelmed. yeah just i don't know what it was it just pierced right through into my soul dude that whole the music the sound and for every this movie should have been corny like it feels like it should be corny it's like someone just walking around as a ghost that can interact with people but also they can't be seen and they can do whatever they want but it was a lot of staring it was just a lot of mm. the ghost staring, Rooney Mara eating pie, just long shots. And I don't know why it was just so, it was so good. So anyways, that was actually, I was like kind of in this, I don't know, weird, like afterwards, I was like, I think I really loved it, but also so depressing. And so, but maybe that's why it just made me feel a whole ton. So I don't know. It was a good, it was a good Valentine's Day. Um, Oddly you know enough. what's crazy about all of this is that I told Josh to watch this <laughs> seven years ago when it came out, and that's why he didn't expect to love it, okay? Like, he's trying to be all sentimental, and he just like, oh, this great A24. Nope. Eric, whoa. Whoa. That's Coke, my fault. Coke Zero. Um, nope. Eric recommends it. He's not sure he'll love it. And what do you know? Boom. Roasted. Just like we had this conversation a few months ago about horror. You're enjoying horror a little more now. What do you know? You're welcome, Josh. But no, that's a that's a that is a fantastic movie. It's short too. It's like an hour twenty. Yeah, it's not that long. And it's a quick one. Yeah. And one, aren't you happy that I finally just actually watched it? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It was a good one, dude. It was a really good one. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Life's just been, you know, kind of up and down, it's moving fast. Dude, we're already halfway, three fourths of the way through, through February, which is blowing my mind. Um, Disgusting. Yeah, dude. Yeah. What about you? How's life been for you? It's been good, man. It's been good. Um, 
This weekend, Kelly and I went out to Taos, just uh, left the kids with my parents, had a sleepover, had some fun, and we went up, hiked to some hot springs. We had a really good time. Taos is awesome. Here's the thing that's crushing, is in the plaza and a lot of those small businesses, I felt really bad window shopping there because the owner who put their life's work into this business is in there chatting me up and like, I can't afford some of the stuff they're selling because some of the stuff in Taos is expensive. But it feels like I'm crushing their dreams. Like you browse <laughs> in the mall, it's no big deal. When I'm browsing this store that you put your blood, sweat, and tears into, I'm like, I can't give you $200 for a belt. I want to, but I can't. And so anyways, that was an interesting experience. There's obviously plenty of small businesses in Albuquerque, but in the, the plaza there and the, the dun shops were great. Anyways, we went to a pizza spot. There's only a few restaurants open in Taos after a certain time, especially on a Sunday night, one of the nights we were there. We went to a pizza spot, little hole in the wall. It's like a little brewery, some pizza. Seemed like a great spot. People loved it. Locals recommended it. We waited almost three hours for our food. And I never complained. And like I was getting stressed because I was starving. And it was almost like nine. We got there at six and the food hadn't come out. So we just made friends with the tables around us. Tables around <laughs> us, man. Like everybody, we just had this like community of starving, waiting customers who didn't really want to complain. Because they had a line of people screaming at them and cussing at them and like, where's my effing food? Where's your manager? Like the cooks are understaffed. There are plenty of servers, but the cooks were understaffed. And I felt bad. Like these 20-year-old kids trying to whip up some yeah. pizzas. So we just like hung out with the people around us and <laughs> chatted them up and just like for literally almost three hours. But it was a blast. We had a good time. And the pizza was worth it. Cool. It was amazing. But anyways, the trip was fun. Hot springs were great. Um, yeah, it was overall, it was a good time. Kelly and I got to rejuvenate, say this place called Hotel Luna Mystica, which is like these abandoned airstreams that inside are renovated a little bit. So super cool. Yeah. I've always seen people post photos and stuff. I, it's near Taos or is it in Taos? Uh, you drive through Taos about 15 minutes out. It's okay. closer to the Gorge Bridge. I mean, it's 10, 15 minutes from town, uh, which the Gorge Bridge is terrifying. Um, right. We over it, but anyways, yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was nice. Super fun. Yeah. Dude, the Gorge Bridge the thing that's a one you can feel it shake right when car did you yeah, stand gross. it yeah when cars drive over yeah. it, you can feel it move um do you notice they put those like gate the nets over yeah uh, they also have the uh like hotline yes do you know why phone, right i heard somebody did the jumped well do you know why ago. people are jumping off of it no why natural born killers that movie it's gonna i'm about to ruin the movie so if you don't if you don't want that movie ruined for you skip this part no way is that but in that movie Woody Harrelson's character the main characters that's where they end up loot like they go on that road trip killing spree thing they end up at yeah. the house bridge I believe and they jump off of it and so then all these people are like oh that's destinational isn't that wild no way yep 100% I'm looking it up right now no way yeah dude what a trip anyways that makes it even spookier and, and the gate is short like it's yeah. my, it's about, it was about to my nips, dude. And so when we were walking by strangers on the bridge, I was like, don't get too close. Like right? you, you shove me, I'm done. I'm <laughs> You're gone, dude. It's came over. Dang, that's crazy. I didn't yeah. know that much more. It's super sad. It's very super sad. sad. But yeah, dude, that, that, that it's very beautiful though. Like the, that whole area. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that's cool. That sounds like a good trip. Um, Hotel Luna Mystica, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's sweet, man. That's Heck yeah. And you did that after Valentine's Day? Was that like your Valentine's Day thing? or is it? Yeah, it was like our Valentine's weekend. <clears throat> For Valentine's Day, we kept it simple in the morning, some flowers, notes. and But kids were actually, Paxson was sick too that day. Um, what? Am I? Am I losing my? Yes, last Wednesday. Yep. You know, you're right. You're right. Yeah, so we just kind of kept it low-key on actual Valentine's Day, but went out of town for the weekend. So Yeah. Dude, 2024 is a time warp, dude. I'm losing track. Don't know what's happening. It's going fast. It's gone. Before I know it, it's going to be Christmas. Okay, that's that's a little dramatic. Hey, all right. Are we doing holdovers today? Let's do holdovers. Yes. Should we jump into it? Let's get into it, dude. Um, so, yeah, if you're um, new here or if this is a, a familiar listen, uh, we always use the Jimmy V 1993 rubric where we discuss how these movies that we watched on different streaming platforms Hold us in thought. Did they make us laugh? And did they make us cry? Whether tears of joy or happiness. And today, yes, we are talking about Holdovers, which is streaming on the very popular Peacock streaming service. And that uh, reads, their description reads, 
forced to spend Christmas break at his prep school, a curmudgeonly, curmudgeonly, curmudgeonly instructor develops an unlikely bond with a troubled student and the head cook. Um, it received a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes uh, and a 91% from the audience. It is starring many people, but the main three people here are Paul Giamatti as Paul, uh, Divine Joy Randolph as Mary Lamb, and Dominic Sessa as Mr. Tully, Angus Tully. Um, and let's see, it's directed by Alexander Payne, who um, who did um, Sideways, if you're familiar with that, with Paul Giamatti. That was a good watch. Uh, the other one, notable ones are The Descendants, uh, Nebraska. Um, he's been nominated for some directing, but the awards he's won are actually for writing awards, which for oh, interesting. holdovers, he did not write. It was David Hemmingson, who apparently, I didn't know about much about um, this writer, but he's done a lot of TV writing. He's written episodes, single episodes, multiple episodes for different TV shows, including How I Met Your Mother, American Dad, uh, the traffic light, the deep end, blackish, Uncle Buck are some of his um yeah, filmography. But but yet, dude, um, am I missing anything here? I just I put it in letterbox, shout out letterbox, everybody jump on. Um I put it in my review there. It is okay, so a lot of times these these movies will say, Oh, it's this actor, actress, it's their debut, it's their debut film. And you'll go to the IMDB, it, it's their first feature film. Dominic Sessa, Angus Tully, it's it's literally the only thing he's credited for in IMDb. <laughs> like it is his, he wasn't in a music video. He wasn't in a short film. Like this is it. And so I am blown away by that. He was amazing in the movie. Cause a lot of times you'll see that, right? Like, oh, they had some short film experience. They had some music video experience, maybe some TV work when they were kids. Like this guy just raw dogged it. And so reading some articles about how uh, Paul Giamatti helped him through it and, 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 and kind of taught him some stuff. He was amazing. I, you watched this in theaters, right? Initially? No, actually. Oh, you didn't? I, I, I didn't. Did. Well, because it was in theaters and it wasn't on streaming, but my first watch, yeah, was uh, because the all three of us, all the adults in this household wanted to watch it. And so instead of going to the theaters with the kiddos, we rented and watched it at home. Interesting. Okay, I thought you'd seen it in theaters. Yeah. And I had heard about it, but never paid it any mind. And then Peacock popped up and I said, let's just throw it on. And it was fit. There was a specific scene that caught my eye on Twitter. It was the scene in the kitchen when it was just, um, oh, I forget her name. Oh, yeah. So Mary, Paul, and Angus were in the kitchen. I don't know if it was breakfast. And Angus tells Paul, Giamatti's character, his name is Paul too. Anyways, sorry. Did, I just did the math. <laughs> but when he's like, I know you could basically like, I know you could sit around and read books all day, but I'm losing my damn mind. Yeah. And he turns around. That scene was like just circulating on social media. People were praising him for it being his first film. And so I kept seeing it. I kept seeing it. And I was like, ah, let me just, I'm just going to pull the trigger. And sure enough, man, it was just 100% a full watch, right? Like fantastic movie. Yeah. So you watched it because you saw bits and pieces. Not, not anybody was, I don't think I even told you about it. Did I? No, you, you never mentioned it. Yeah. And I know there was some critical acclaim around it. Yeah. But specifically people praising Dominic Sessa's role and just that single clip yeah of him in the kitchen with them and i saw that two or three times maybe like tiktok or instagram or twitter and i was like let me see what this is all about and just that was it yeah yeah dude it was such a sleeper but i got a text message from some friends sarah and isaac went and watched it and they said that it was such a surprising like heartfelt wholesome warm movie that might be their yearly tradition like christmas movie and oh wow i was I, that and it was intriguing, so I was like, "Oh, I have to watch this." And so, yeah, watching it, dude, it's it's so it's so good. And like you were mentioning about Dominic Sessa, I I read somewhere that um he was found in a boarding school, like like to your point of him not That's ever acting, you know, and he just got this role, which is mind blowing. And uh, people are saying like, "Yeah, he deserves some awards." And I think he got nominated at some of the, some of the other um award ceremonies. Not necessarily yep. like Golden Globes or the Oscars or the BAFTAs and stuff, but, um, but, dude, I don't. Did you ever want to like go away for school, like boarding school or like? Cause did cause did you do public school right? You did you didn't for half. So I was right. homeschooled okay. and then I did public school for the for high school. Okay, okay. Did you ever want to do like? Did you ever watch movies like that where you're like, oh, that would be fun? 
No, and I have one friend who did, and he was extremely wealthy, came from a lot of money. Okay. And so that was really my only experience with it. I just, to me, it was like this assumption that extremely wealthy people go to boarding school. Gotcha. So it was never something that was like, oh, that would be so fun if I did it. Because I also, you know, went to summer camp throughout my youth, different, you know, if it was church camp or young life camp or something in middle school. So that to me, that was like, oh, that's what we do. And then really, really wealthy people go off to boarding school, right? Yeah. Like I, it never registered as anything else. Yeah. No, that did makes, you? Was that something that you? Not really. No, I. That's the thing. It's just, it's such a foreign world. Like th I think yeah. that that that's what's so cool about this movie is that boarding school is so yeah foreign. Like you're saying, like I think to be able to afford to send your child elsewhere, wherever you're located in the world, to like go to the school specifically to have a great education. They're gonna live there. Um, even just finding out the the term holdovers, I thought that was pretty fun. The that they're holding over the Christmas break and they have to stay there because they're not going back for various reasons. Uh, one of the, and Dominic Sessa, uh, Angus Tolley's parents, right? Or stepdad and mom. Yeah. They're like vacationing, going on a honeymoon. So like even that yeah. was just, that whole thing is very foreign to me. It's very different, right? Like Christmas time, holiday, winter break was family. We, even when I was in elementary yep. school, we used to, road trip to Artesia from California to Artesia, New Mexico. And so to, to, to say like, Hey, we're going to leave you and you're going to, Oh, for that's your own, so wild. That's just, yeah, it's just different. Right. It's a, it's a different experience. But that being said though, I think despite the setting of boarding school, Northeast, it's like somewhere in Massachusetts, that whole context being completely different for us. Southwest, uh, dudes here. Um, there were so many elements that were so, so relatable. Like the cranky, the cranky teacher that nobody Ooh. liked. Did you have one of those in high school where it was like everyone, everyone like didn't like or they were really harsh or they gave bad grades, but then either you or you knew someone who was like defended them. Like they're like, no, we're friends. Cause by the end of the movie, so yeah, so this movie, right? It's a cranky teacher. He's a, he's getting punished by the school, the principal, because they're making him stay and to watch these kids over break. And then the wealthy kids, one of the wealthy kids that stays, there's like five of them. And one of those dad like brings a helicopter and takes all the kids to go skiing, except for Angus Tolley, Dominic Sessa's character. So anyways, the three of them, Paul Giamatti's, or Paul, the teacher, uh, Mr. Tolley, and then the cook, Mary Lamb, end up get, like, at first there's a lot of tension, but then they become like really, really, really close, like family almost, right? Family-like. So that being said, yeah, was there someone in your school or like, do you, was that a part of your high school experience? Yeah, it's so interesting. Well, first, like Paul Giamatti, because of Big Fat Liar, shout out 2002, he's always been a villain in my mind. Ah. Any role he's played, I just like, I don't like him immediately off the bat. And so I love this movie because by the end of it, I, like, it was so heartwarming in the way he stood up for Angus. But, and the, 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 over time, they humanize him, especially there's that scene where, he and Angus are in town and they run into one of his old friends and he lies about what he's doing. That scene really, to me, humbled my anger towards him. And it mm -hmm. all relates back to Big Fat Liar. And I'm not even trying to be funny with that. Like, there's a show, Billions, right? This cheesy finance show in 2016 where he's almost like the anti-hero, but I couldn't stand him throughout the entire show. Okay. And it all relates back to the first role I saw. But anyways, yes, in high school, so her name was Miss Storm. I wish I knew her first name. Over the years, she was kind of like, hall monitor. Always like, Eric, take your hat off. Eric, why is your hat backwards? And I would just like talk back to her. I was always so disrespectful. We just had this like really tense relationship until senior year. Um, it's a long story that we can go into at another point. You know it. But for people listening, <laughs> I got suspended with my buddy, Jordy. Shout out, Jordy. <laughs> Fake gun got brought to school. This whole thing. Like, it sounds bad. It's not bad. Anyways, I got suspended. They said, you're on 10-day suspension. You, Jordy, and our, our buddy, Chris. Shout out, Chris Chavez. And at the end of the 10 days, because I was the one who drove us to school, they were going to see if I was going to get expelled or not. And I had to go to court for that. And Miss Storm went to court to defend me. Oh, no way. And like, so to me, it was like this full circle moment. Years of just like disrespecting her and like back and forth. And like, why are your pants like that? And why is your hat like that? And I was just like, oh, this lady hates me. She, there's a target out against me. She really wanted what's best for me. And she was the one of the people who was allowed me to stay in school because she stood up for me. And so that's dope. It's super cool to see this and like 
you know, now I don't know what she's doing or where she is, but like credit her for standing up for me, even though there was years of like this tense relationship that we had. And so basically what she said was like, yeah, Eric's this crazy high school teenager, but he would never do something reckless or in enough to put other people in danger. So she kind of stood up for me in that way. But anyways, yeah. So it was, it's interesting yeah. seeing that. And in the way this movie, our relationship is obviously not like this, right? right. Um, when they finally start to humanize Paul, at least for me, man, yeah. maybe other people didn't feel that way. But when I'm watching him, that first experience in class, I'm like, I, oh, I already hate this guy. Yep. You know? Yep. So anyways, did you? Yep. Um, yeah. My, so I got a lot of good grades in elementary school. I was like a straight A student. Middle school, I tried to do my best. Good student. And freshman year, similar. And then my sophomore year, dude, I took honors English and I, I heard Ooh. about Mr. Romero and his honors English class and how difficult it is. And it was my first not, it was like, I think I had probably gotten a B or B pluses before, but it was my first anything lower than a B. And I got a D in his first, the first semester, dude. And it was, I mean, it, it was intense. Like, like it, it was probably the hardest English class I've taken out out because I only took English 101 and 102 in, in college, I think, for the most part. And my sophomore English was harder than those two courses. And and same, I was like, why are you making us read like difficult books, write difficult essays? Um, but we were shitheads too. Uh like oh, for sure. Me and me, <laughs> you have the people in that class, dude. And like I, you know, back before AirPods, you had corded headphones and you couldn't wear headphones in in class, right? And they would get upset. So we used to put them like in our sweatshirt, like the wire, right? You'd run it through to make sure, you know, it stays in, but we'd put them on. And then, cause we knew Mr. Romero would be like, give me the headphones. And we would, we would just get old headphones and cut them. And so they weren't connected to anything. And I don't know why we just to this, piss him off. Yes. And we would wear them and he's like, give me the headphones. We'd be like, Haha, and we give it to him and they're like, not listening to anything. We're like, what is wrong? Anyways. So that's, that was like that class. And, um, yeah, it was difficult. We thought he was just a hard teacher for the hard sake, right? And just being mean, giving us hard homework and making us fail. I got a, I was like, I don't get D's. Why am I getting a D? And then I got a C the next quarter. And anyways, it was a whole thing. Um, yeah, we were not good students. But then I had him in mock trial the following year. And I was like, Mr. Romero is cool. Like just learning like he's down to earth or like there was a different approach or maybe it's because we went through kind of similar to this movie. You go through some hardships, you have that tension, you go back and forth, you butt some heads and you bond in a way. Uh, and it was really cool because he was, he was a really good mock trial. He was a really good teacher in general. He was a great person. He really inspired and encouraged us. And now dude, he's on billboards, dude. He's, he's, uh, he's a lawyer. He went, he, he went to law school and now he's defending or prosecuting. Dude, remember. he was my mock trial teacher. What? Too. No way. Yeah. In my sophomore year, 100%. That's incredible. I was thinking as you're saying that, I'm like, I, was his first, I don't remember his first name, but I saw him at Paxton's karate class a year ago. His son or, son or daughter went there. And I was like, did you teach at Volcano Vista? He's like, yeah. That's so That's wild, so man. Nuts. Yeah, yeah he was, dude. I just had mock trial, but oh, dude, I can't imagine an English AP or honors yeah. class. Heck Got my no. ass kicked. Dude, that's so wild. I remember, yeah, Cibola High School, right? Like split and some students yeah. went to Volcano Vista for their first class. And I forgot teachers did too. Like some teachers that's went. That's so crazy. Yeah, because uh, Ms. Guzman was my yeah. high school teacher. And so she went over to uh, Volcano Vista. So anyways. How funny, that's man. That's nice. We had the same teacher. But anyways, um, but I agree, dude. Like I think that having those 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 elements that like in the movie where your button heads your you, the de the humanizing of a teacher too right the humanize just mm -hmm. like in real life like you're like these are people like these are pe they're not just out to get me and then seeing how they develop that story where you learn about Paul wanting just to like you start seeing into his life where he also wants to belong or he's also had yeah. a lot to, to like show where he was trying to make a name for himself, right? To live um, up to, to live up. Yep. And somehow, dude, they did such a good job of all these stories, dude. Like where you find out he's not actually, he didn't actually get his PhD and he got kicked out and he's getting a chance at this, at, uh, at Barton, you know, preparatory school to teach because the principal is an old student of his or, you know, or whatever. And how, uh, 
yeah, he he just and oh the the dating thing, right? Where he's he's like, no, I like being oh, single. Yeah. I'm drawn to the aesthetic, but it's because he has that condition where he he can I don't forget he can't process a certain chemical or certain yeah, and he said it was like a fish smell, yeah, right? and just what that would do to someone's you know person and what's just their confidence and their being, dude. How heartbroken did that mess you up at that party? So he gets invited to a part a Christmas Eve party by a teacher. And they're at the party and he thinks that sh- the teacher might be coming on to him. And so he like gets all dressed up. He sprays himself with like air freshener and it leads up to like them having this intimate conversation. And then someone walks through the door and she says, oh, I'll be right back. And she goes and kisses some dude. That was brutal, especially because um, Angus, like from Angus's perspective, when he's hitting it off with the niece, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The niece. The niece. And then Paul is so angry with him and they leave and it's like, oh, you're just, that's where Paul's anger comes from. But like Angus mm, can't see that. Right. Paul's anger is coming from probably jealousy or like, you know, he he's crushed because he was expecting something similar that night and now it bothers him. But like Angus doesn't see that perspective from us. The viewers were like, no wonder he's being a dick about it when they leave and he makes that comment about his dad. It was that same night. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But it's like that all that anger is coming from a place of like he had hope for maybe the first time in a while to have something kind right. of romantic. That gets crushed. It's like, ah, oh, now I'm gonna be a dick to people around me. And not excusing that behavior necessarily, but like everybody's reaction and anger and emotions come from their own personal lived experiences. But especially as kids, man, especially in yep. high school, we can't see that. And so like thinking back to teachers we had or the way our parents reacted to certain things or were strict on certain things. Well, or things we maybe thought they were overreacting, but it's like that—that's their lived experience telling them whether good or bad, right or wrong, right, reasonable or not. And so, like that—that that scene was funny, man, because I'm like, oh, I be—you get—you get, you get kind of heated for him too. Like he was—he was ready to roll, and then yep. she's got a—she's got a lover. Yep. Yeah, dude. And how relatable? Like exactly what you said. It's so relatable in that it drew instantly, because I know that feeling, right? Like either personally or through other people in high school where, you know, you you spend fifth period with someone and you start having these conversations and you're like, oh, I think this, we're getting close and they think they like me. And then you go into, you know, sea hall one day and they're kissing someone and you're like, oh, they were just yeah. being nice. So they were just my friend, you know, but you, the yeah. mis, the miscommunication or like the, you know, the, the what is it called the you you're picking up things that aren't being put down kind of thing yeah the cues yeah, yeah exactly. right miss cues and and that is such a like a good high school experience so I think they did a good job of interweaving that into Paul's story while si- like you're saying simultaneously showing uh, that in Angus Mr Tolly's story story right where it they're like they're so different but yet they're kind of the same right and they have the same mm-hmm. desire to like want to be able they want to be loved they want to be belong they want to belong somewhere. Um, and yeah, dude, they take you on that journey, dude. I was gonna say his, you know, when he lied to his friend, like they both had to lie, you know, they lied in the hospital and then he lied to his friend about what he was doing. And then Angus picks up on that immediately and goes along with it. Yep. Like, oh, tell him about the book and this and that, because he, in that age, more than any other time in your life, you, you fake things a lot and people do it throughout their lives. But especially at that age group, you're like, I'm more than what I am. You, you feel like you have to like be something that maybe you're not. So Angus knew, knows that right away, recognizes that. It's like, yeah, I'll chip in. Like, that's part of that's part right. of life. And like, that was another one of those moments where like, yeah, they're the same. Different levels yep. of it, but they're the same in the sense of like, maybe I'm inadequate, so I'm going to lie. It's like, and and Angus just jumps right in. He's like, hell yeah. Like, I got your back kind of thing. Right. So, and in, he leads him, exit on even more than probably necessary. When he's like, yeah, tell him about your book. What do you call him, uncle? Yeah, uncle. Tell him about your book. Like trying to get him caught up, but like still having his back, you know? So Yeah. Yeah, dude, the whole entrenoose, right? Is that what he said? This yeah, whole yes, trip's yes, entrenoose, entrenoose, which means like <laughs> you're not talking about it or whatever. Yeah, between us. Um, yeah. yeah, dude, and 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 he, the book, right? Even the book about, he talks about writing a monograph. And I, that's kind of where that leads into that lie, right? Because there's an earlier scene mm-hmm. where Mary Lamb and Paul and Angus are hanging out watching that newlywed show. And and Paul talks about a monograph. And someone goes, what's a monograph? It's like a shorter version of a book. And I forget, but one of those characters says, why don't you write a full book? And I think this kind of sets up, right? It, it, one, it gave him the information to 
Angus to then help him with the lie, right? Tell him about your book and what you're writing in ancient civilization later in the movie. But I think in that scene early on where he initially mentions about writing a monograph, that sets up kind of a glimpse into their world, uh, Paul's worldview or how he, maybe he sees himself or, or the way he thinks about his work or what he's capable of. And because he says, I forget, one of them says, why don't you write a full book? And he goes, I don't know if I have a full book in me. And then Mary Lamb says, man, you can't even dream a whole dream, can you? And wow, that, like selling yourself short, like, do you struggle? Have you struggled? Like, do you, has that been a part of your life too? Of like different areas of feeling like you can only dream a half dream or you only have half a dream or selling yourself short? Because when I heard that, I was like, damn, that's so good. It sets up the theme, right? About, about why he's lying about these things, right? Because he only has half a dream where he's lying about how he's landing on his feet and he's, he's teaching in all these fellowships and all these other schools and universities and not mentioning he teaches at Barton Prep, Preparatory School. And Angus is standing right there listening to him to a lie. And that's when they, you know, he calls him out and is like, why are you lying? And I think that there's something about like expectations or maybe um, wanting to, yeah, like, like you, you feel like you need to have this full life, but you're, you sell yourself short, like you're not possible, like saying like, I don't have a full book in me. Um, I feel like that's a very high school thing too, right? Like, I think in high school, whether it's you selling yourself short or people like, because the parents, right? They're the parents of Angus Tolley. Angus, like, if I get kicked out of this school, I have to go to military school. And I feel like that's selling your son short, right? And I think, yeah. you know, Mr. or, uh, yeah, Paul at the end of it fights for him. He's like, hey, he's a bright kid. Is he brilliant? I don't know. He's still like, kind of knocking him down a little bit. He's like, but he's a smart kid and he's, don't sell him short. Not to say, sorry, not to say military school is selling people short who do go to military school. But my point is, is that people treating it that way, right? Because in the context of wealth, in the context of education, because there is this conversation around how some some students, right? Because it was around Vietnam. Uh, some students didn't have to go to war because they had mm, the yep. privilege of going to college. And so that's what I mean by like, quote unquote, selling yourself short. Because some people were saying like, you know, you're either going to get drafted and go to war or if they see you as quote unquote, like more valuable because of your intellect, then you don't have to, you know, go to war. You don't have to serve in that way. Right. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, that just hit me, I guess, is my, my point of that is it hit me of like, wait, can I dream a whole dream? Like, where is it that I feel like I only have half a book when I really, I should be shooting for a full book. Right. And we've talked about this before too. Like when did that stop in our brains? Cause I think there was a, a point in all of our lives where we had that. I was literally just recently teaching, um, I volunteer with Junior Achievement. So we teach kids about being successful after high school. And so it's like a six-week thing, an hour a week. Anyways, I was at Del Norte with this group of freshmen. And um, I'm sorry, sophomores. And I was talking to them and we were talking about being creative and like being innovative, whether you're in your workplace, an entrepreneur, school, whatever it is. And I was like, how many of you guys see yourself as creative, right? Coming up with your own ideas. And like two or three out of the 30 raised their hand. And I was like, do you guys think you would have had a different answer three or four years ago? Mm -hmm. And they all were like, yeah. And so we kind of dug into that a little bit, but it was interesting. I'm like, my perspective now, I don't feel crea as creative as I was before. And like, there's a, there's a, we've talked about this on a different podcast, but like, where does that drop off as far as like, for this, it was specifically creativity and innovation. Cause man, I've done some junior achievements with fifth graders. They're going to solve every problem in the world. They're going to create a new toaster for pop tarts. <laughs> that's pockets, whatever. Right. Like all this stuff. Um, some of them talking about this, like, anyways, but they're so creative. There's so many ideas in fifth grade. And like, where does that drop off? And so in this, similarly, what you just said, like, where, when did that ability to dream a full dream stop? Because I think we all at some point had it. And whether it was a teacher, a parent, a friend, a peer at the time who like sort of pushed that out of us. Mm. Weird. Um, I, this, this is so off course kind of, but there's this song lyric from, uh, a band called Ghost Inside. Anyways, he's talking about youth. And at one point he says, um, put back those thoughts in my head where I am boundless again. And so it's like, yeah, there, at some point in our life, we had this feeling of, we had this ability to dream larger and think bigger for ourselves. And like at some point it goes away. So it's interesting to, but it's, uh, my thought, the movie leaves it open-ended. 
when yeah. Paul leaves, right? And he takes that swig of alcohol and spits it at the school. It took something like getting fired. Right. Maybe he goes off on this journey. I'd love to believe he goes off on this journey to do what he lied about doing and actually do it. And so sometimes in life that it's required that something maybe tragic or some kind of like all life altering thing forces you down this path where you have no other option. Right. Um, than to pursue maybe what you dreamed or what you wanted. Because I don't know how old he is in this, but he's he's an older guy. Right. Right. Like 50s, 60s, maybe. Um, I don't know what his age is supposed to be in the movie, but maybe this was it. Right. Maybe he takes that. He spits at the school and it's like, hey, I'm going to go pursue what I wanted to pursue. So I'd love to believe that. Right. Uh, there wasn't anything after the credits or anything unless I unless I missed that. But yeah, that's the hope. Right. Is maybe this life altering thing like being fired from this safe position that he held for many years forces him down the path to become what he lied that he was to his friend. Yeah, no, dude, it's, uh, I agree. I hope, I hope that, right. It forces you to bet on yourself or it forces you to, to believe in yourself enough to, cause I, that's the thing I liked at the end when him and Angus say their departures and they say their goodbye, where he's like, I don't know what you said, but I'm not getting kicked out of school and you got fired. So obviously you said something, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which one, I'm really glad that Miss Storm didn't get fired on your behalf. Um, yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> your shenanigans. Um, but, and then he said something along the lines of, Paul says to Angus something about, hey, you can do this. Like, you can do this. You can mm. do hard things. You, you're going to get through this. And then uh, Angus was like, I was, that's funny. I was going to tell you the same thing. And it just reminded mm. me that how I feel now, like as a 32 year old, like where I'm like, am I yeah. getting older? Like, do things change? Like, there's not so much, di like, I think sometimes just being like, yeah, I need that encouragement too. I don't just need to, and I'm not that old. Well, I mean, to some, maybe I'm old, but I'm not that old. And you know, it's all, age is just relative. But my point is, yeah. is that I think it's really cool for me to, to, or for people who are older to tell younger people, hey, you can do this. Like life, yeah. it's going to be hard and it's going to be tough, but you can do this. And at the same time, realizing I need to, I need to hear that too. And I can say it to myself or other people, even younger people saying it to me is something I think that's needed for a lot of people because I don't know, this idea of we need to have it all together and we need to be brave and courageous on our own. And just seeing that, yeah, that Paul needed to hear that, I think, in a lot of ways from, from yeah. Angus. Yeah, that, I forgot about that at the end when he said that. He's like, I was going to say the same thing to you. And it's like, yeah, I, regardless of the point in your life that you're at, you need to, whether you tell it to yourself or you hear it from somebody else. And it, it said to you a lot when you're younger, I think. And then people forget that you might still need to hear that, regardless of the stage of life when you become a teenager. Um, and I think a hard time to what a lot of older generations do or, or just even older peers will do is just talk negatively about certain things. If you say you want to be an entrepreneur, you say you want to um, open up this kind of business or you want to get married or you don't want to get married, you have these different things. They'll always revert to the negative of like, oh, careful with this, careful with that. Well, don't yep. do this because of their own lived experience, which is fair to them. They've tried something, didn't work out for them. But like to me, that's, never been helpful yeah. oh my god i cannot I, that's one thing i cannot stand especially like when kelly and i got married it was a lot of like oh well listen it's here and this many years in here's what will happen i'm like what what it, what is that what are you trying to do for me and not that you always have to be like overly optimistic and like toxically optimistic about things yeah i don't know i think that's helpful because it's just encouragement and so Again, I think there's obviously like a balance and there's realism behind some of it, but I feel like people get a little too carried away with that. Right. Well, look out for this and this and this instead of just like, hey, you can figure it out. Like you'll, you'll make it, you'll, you'll, you'll make it through or, you know, it's going to be tough, but not just it's going to be tough. Right. Because I think that's where a lot of, that's where a lot of people leave it. Yeah. And I, I, you know, that's a good point. I think uh, the culture in the United States, or at least my ex lived experience of that has been some kind of like, we almost are too obsessed with this idea of certainty where we have to be mm. certain and we're going to die on that hill. So these old, like you're saying, these older generations of saying that, Hey, this is in a few years, this is going to happen. I am certain this is going to be happen. Therefore I'm telling you these things. But in reality, I think at least I'm like, they're different contexts, right? Each decade is yeah. a different context. Like we are evolving as people, but so is the world. Like, 
technology and culture and things and all the things that make up society are changing too. So every time we step a little bit of like few minutes into the into life, it's a new unknown space. So like I I just think like yeah. like I think it is helpful sometimes to say, hey, this is how we handled it, but not to be like certain that those things are guaranteed going to happen, right? Um, anyways, but something I did want to mention or talk about, you said earlier about the f- that when they're in the kitchen at that party and uh, Mary Lamb, they're all like, Mary Lamb's kind of having a breakdown because they're. It's Christmas mm, yeah. and she's ta- Christmas Eve and she's thinking about her son and how her son died. Um, mm. Her son went to Barton. She took the job at Barton so that her son could get a free education at Barton. And then he ended up going to war and he was excited to go to war because then he can go to college on the GI Bill because they didn't have money to afford any colleges despite his good high school education. But he ended up dying in the war. And so Mary Lamb is very sad about it and she's having a little breakdown. But when they're going outside and about how you had mentioned earlier about like, um, you don't say that Mary Lamb stands up. Like you don't say that to a kid who's been left behind um, by his family. She says that to Paul. But something I thought that was really powerful about that that scene, and uh, you see it in other aspects of the movie or different parts of the movie, uh, is that she was able to hold space for everyone's pain. It wasn't just her pain because, like, she's out. Like, obviously, she's she's having our time. She's breaking down. She's crying in the kitchen. They're walking outside. You can see she's got tears down her face. And then that incident happens and she gets on Mr. or she gets on Paul's case saying, you don't say that. Like, what the hell's wrong with you? You don't say that to a kid. Yeah. She's hurting, but she also sees that that um, Angus is hurting. Angus. And I just thought that was really cool, like a really powerful moment that it's it wasn't like, hey, I'm hurting so you can't hurt or I'm in pain so you can't have pain. But she she was a great character in holding space for everyone's pain and to be human all at the same time without like negating each other. And I think one of the moments that I made me think of that too is when uh, Angus drops his pills and it turns out he's taking some medication for depression and then he goes mm. in the bathroom, shuts the door and then Paul pulls out his medicine bag and he pulls out and he has the same exact medication. And it was one yeah. of those moments that I thought was cool with like connecting of like, just because you're depressed doesn't mean I can't be depressed and we're both in mm. this life and we're holding space for each other's or having more understanding of why we show up the way, why we show up the way we do and what are we actually dealing with that is generally hidden, but being able to, the unseen pains and and struggles that people have and finding some kind of like common space that we can both exist in without saying like, like, again, like, hey, I'm depressed so you can't be. And that's not true. And I think the, the movie portrays that. That's such a good point because... Paul happened upon the pills, right? Right. Neither of them shared it. So I t- like it, it just, he stumbled upon it, recognized it, kind of had this smirk of like hilarious. And that was it. If that doesn't happen though, it's, that's why it's important to, to a point share and have o- like open conversations with people. So you do understand what they're going through. Cause otherwise they would have gone about, they never would have had that connection had he not stumbled upon that. And so even though it wasn't verbalized, I think that that, is something that Paul carried with him, like, okay, maybe I show the kid a little bit more grace, like we're going through something similar. Um, but you really do bond with people when you do share what, what you're going through. But I guess I never recognized that with Mary. That, that That is an awesome character trait that she displayed there because, and not a lot of people can have that. And again, true, if you're going through something painful, like especially what, what she went through, right? you're not really going to be blamed for displaying any kind of emotion or or, or outburst. But yet she still is able to reel it in and have empathy on behalf of somebody else. And yeah, that that's a great, um, I almost said notification. Great notification. Mm. Great notification that just popped up. No, that's a great uh, thing to note there in that scene. I forgot about that. Yeah, when she was having that mini meltdown, talking about the song yeah. that her son liked. And again, other people were kind of like just taken aback by her, her reaction. But to me, it's fair to react however you want to react with something like that. Right. When you've gone through something that 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 tough. So Yeah. Mm. Man, such a so many things in this movie were just so whether whether or not it was relatable to you, like it, it'll touch on any emotion that you feel or any lived experience that you might have. Like this movie probably has that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I agree, dude. It was it there was it's so dense for that two hour movie. And it hits so many mm, life yeah. life things and life 
things that we deal with. And it, it was very impressive. Again, it was funny and, and, and quirky in ways too. Um, in a way that I just really, the, the, the way that it's like, oh, we're up here. It's happy, fun. Now we're down here. Now it's sad. Now it's hilarious. And it's, a, it's anger, high emotions. And then it's like super intense. Like when he was running around the halls and they were cussing at each other. Oh, I was laughing, dude. When they were, when he's like finally breaking, he's like, you're getting a suspension or something. And he's like, what the hell? This is a suspension. I'm stuck with you. Yeah. <laughs> when he ran into the gymnasium and jumped and hurt himself and dislocated his shoulder, dude, I was not, that's not at all where I expected any of that to go. And it was funny, even though, <laughs> Even though like it wasn't funny, um, because obviously he's in pain and his arms hurt and they're panicking. But I always found myself really laughing. But I think that yeah, it, there's just so many. This movie's jam packed with a lot of that, where you find yourself laughing and then you find yourself feeling for the person and scared or nervous. Because yeah, dude, what do you do as a like you take a kid to the hospital and their arm might be broken? Um, I that, thought he was faking it at first too. Like really? I. That, I, and I was like, how long is this bit going to go? I was like, all right, I need to drop that line of thinking. That's not what's happening here. But it took me a minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, the scream. That it was like his way to get out of right? the school. Well, because he jumped and he landed and you don't really see anything. And it almost didn't no. seem that intense enough to really no. like shatter your arm the way that he was screaming. And it turns out he didn't yeah. shatter it. He dislocated it, which does sound painful. But um but yeah, the it it was just good in that way, dude. It was it was it felt like a hug, and even in the very honest like conversations where where even Angus is like, "Hey, I'm meaning to ask about your eye because he has uh, oh is yeah. it a lazy eye glass a glass, glass eye. eye, and because he has that he has that glass eye, and he's like, which eye do I look at?" And he doesn't say anything. He doesn't tell him which one it is or whatever. And at the end, when he He's comes out after he's just stood up for Angus with the principal and the parents. Yeah. He kind of loses his shit in a good way and gets fired. Uh, he walks out and instead of saying like, hey, I stood up for you, instead of saying you're going to be fine, instead of saying anything else that's about the situation, he just looks at Angus and points. He goes, you should look at this eye. It made me yeah. both laugh and like tear and just joy and smile, but also sad on that one moment. Because I was like, that dude's fired. He's connecting. It's a it's a nice callback in the movie. Uh, it just that the movie did such a good job of making you feel a whole ton in a literal like five second scene, and it happened yeah. over and over and over throughout the whole movie. That's right. I forgot he just did. He just ignored him when he asked that question yes. in the car. Say anything, and I couldn't tell too. I think it was a mix of both, honestly. But if he was like trying to be sarcastic or truly asking, to me it was both. Like as a kid in that age, like you're. You're sincerely wanting to know, but also trying to be a dick about it. And that that's like that that was wonderful. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It will be a movie. So I've watched it twice now. We watched it in December. As like, you know, Christmas. We watched a lot of Christmas movies in December. And then I watched it, you know, a couple of weeks ago or this last week. Um, and I was like, you know what? I think, yeah, I think it might be one of those movies that I want to watch every holiday season. Yeah. 100% of them. I forgot to when he stood up for him in the bar when he oh, pissed yeah, off yeah, those yeah. other guys with the coin. Like that's yeah. where it started, right? He's like, he probably said something to piss you <laughs> off or like he probably said something sarcastic, right? And it's like, I love that kind of uh, the relationship that they built that he still even, like you said, to the end was like, is he a genius or whatever he yeah, said? Like, Maybe not. <laughs> but like regardless, he kept that tone towards him but still cared for him, had empathy for him and wished him all the best, obviously, but like seeing that relationship develop more and more and through the bar scene and like, that was hilarious. Right? Yeah, and even though some of their bonding happened over half lies or like good lies, yeah. I guess, right? I don't know what you call them, but yeah. uh, th there was something authentic about yes about that. There was something authentic that that really drew, it's to say like, hey, you're not brilliant, but you're a, you are smart and you're a good kid. Like there's something that's like, it doesn't, being a genius is not going to make you better or worse or being smarter or less. You know, it was just like, hey, this is who you are and I accept you. There's something authentic about their friendship building in that. And with all three of them, um, I thought Mary Lamb was honestly the most 
like the most honest and direct and authentic character. And then there's this, this level of authenticity that's built within the three of them. But, um, I just, yeah, there's something really, really special about that whole, um, friend group in, when it comes to, when you think about like the, like what you were just saying, how they built their friendship in these tense times in these moments of little lies, like most people that you really connected or bonded with didn't almost didn't happen almost in like what I would say conventional friendship ways. Right. Right. Something had to happen or some kind of situation, whether like you were friends with them and then you got put into a situation where you bonded because of something negative happening. It didn't have to be tragic, but just like when, when they're put in these situations where they had to lie or had to kind of like escape getting their ass beat in the bar, like these situations that just brought them closer and closer together. It's fun to look back on close friendships that you have or people Maybe you're not close to them anymore, but at the time, bonded with in unconventional ways, in situations where you were almost put to the test together. Right. And we've talked about this in Saltburn, I think, which was like... Oh, yeah. Proximity. Proximity, proximity friendships. Yep. And a lot of that can happen when you're when you're in proximity with people. So like in school, in college, in the workplace even, um, you're kind of forced into situations where you have to act together, whether positive, negative, neutral, but like... You're forced into a situation together and you come out closer for it. So right. those are sometimes your closest friends and maybe you're not anymore with them, but it's fun, it's fun to look back and think on those situations. Right. No, I, I think, yeah, thinking about um, transformation and identity shifting, identity, not just as an individual, but like you're saying with friendships, like if someone's mm. relationship is in itself an identity with those two people um, or three people in this case, uh, yeah, there's something really like proximity and context that if you allow it to transform you, it will. And it yeah. could be a, a blossoming cool thing where you start. Yeah, because I agree that like, there's a lot of my close friends, those unconventional ways of becoming friends or how did you get to where you're at um, in your friendship? Uh, and I think a lot of my friendships, it's because it involves a lot of that, of the of the unconventional the maybe not necessarily friends. I love the, the, maybe it's a trope. I don't know the whole enemies become friends thing or, you know, people. Oh, yeah. cause that's, I think one of my, one of my best friends, uh, when I first moved here in eighth grade, that's how we became friends. I had like a sticky hand and I like hit it on him or something or on the desk and he ripped it apart. And I was like, what? Like there was anger. Right. And I mean, as an eighth grader, but then all of a sudden we were inseparable, dude. Uh, but anyways, my point of all that though is about liminal space of of that transformation. It's that passing through, right? Where, where bef- like a school is a school. It has an identity. It like during the school year, people are you know classes, teaching, recess, whatever. But then during winter break, what is that school's identity? It's supposed to be empty. There's no classes going on. Very similar to like these uh, the rites of passages, right? Where um, they do ceremonies be- from a a, a kid turning into an adult, but that rite of passage ceremony in that in-between space, they're no longer a kid, but they're also not an adult yet. So what are they? Or when you're engaged, you were engaged once, right? <laughs> so you were yeah. dating and then you weren't married, but you were engaged, right? And so it's you're no, you're more than boyfriend, girlfriend dating, but you're not quite married, married. So like that space, right, is that liminal space of transformation of identity shifting. And I just thought that was a really cool thinking about like, yeah, they're holding over their friendship. Once what it was before was they didn't like each other. They don't know where they're going, but that space of that winter break. Yeah. It transforms your, your, your friendship. It transforms your, and I think that's why going back to like, we were talking earlier about parking lot conversations, a parking lot is not meant for people to linger in and chat. It's supposed to park your car. You're supposed to pass through it. And yet some of the most transformational conversations I've had are in parking lots with those unconventional friends that I made or those friends that, uh, you know, we get from, you know, whatever. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know, dude, it, 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 the movie. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going with all that, but it, the friendship changing. That's what's so good about this movie is that it causes these thoughts. Like you could pick any scene, really most of the scenes and have a really great conversation about life from that. There's a monkey in the background. But you can have a really great conversation about life from the movie. And so I think that when we talk about, yes, you're absolutely going to laugh when you watch this movie. Um, you, you you may shed a tear or, or or have some heavy emotions depending on what you've gone through in your life yeah. and watching this movie. 
and it will hold you in thought. So like, this is one of those that like checks all the boxes time and time again, like scene after scene, man. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Full movie for me, dude. Full. It was a full watch. I definitely cried. I definitely laughed. Uh, and sometimes, yeah, I think, I think this movie had both the tears of joy and the tears of like, oh man, this is heavy. So, uh, yeah. And it, it, yeah, definitely held me in thought for a very long time. Heck yeah. All right. Well, to wrap it up, guys, I'll be doing the closing statement today. Unbeknownst to Josh. Is that the right? <laughs> Unbeknownst. Yep. Sarah Warlock. I have no uh, idea. Check, fact check us on this for us. Word check. Um, word check. Word check. Um, Send us a like, send us a comment. We we really did enjoy that last review. Um, send us a couple of bucks, right? We had to get a new cord. So send it to Josh. We'll put his Venmo. Um, on, why don't we put it on social media? We'll just blast it. But anyways, check us out. Share us with your friends. Um, thanks for listening. We really appreciate the support. And we, we've got a couple of really good movies ahead for you guys. I think this year will be fun. We're getting, we're really getting into the groove of like movies to pick, full watches. We'll do some trash watches too, just for fun, just for shiggles. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening, Josh. Josh, Josh, anything else? Wait, what's your middle name? I called you Henry. Steven. You called me Henry? That's, no, you called me Pete or something. That Steven is not a middle name, Josh. What do you mean? That's. What do you mean it's not a middle chat. name? That's not a middle what's name. What's your middle what? name? Matthew. How is Steven any <laughs> less of a middle name than Matthew? it's not that's what i'm saying matthew is not a middle name so i like have beef with my parents like what is that that's a that's a first name oh that's so steven dude joshua steven yeah dude dude like you know what i mean yeah you see what i'm saying yeah i guess i don't know i don't know dude what we'll, we'll talk about that later anyways nope that's it that's all i appreciate you guys listening keep living keep streaming think steven is not a middle name <laughs> that's hilarious. i get what you're saying. Right. I, you see what i'm saying yeah. it can be abbreviated okay i gotta jump off